Road to Life. We love you. We're so glad to be back together on our podcast. We're here with Pastor Mike Shepline, and we're going to hear the message from Sunday where you can be inspired through the Word of God and maybe even a funny story. For more information, visit RoadToLifeChurch.com, and we'll see you next week. But before, or last week, I know I, I understand Micah just continued that we've been in a series, and the title of it is The Proving Ground. And, you know, when, you, when we use the term proving ground, the underlying foundation is this, is God wants to bless our life. Super cool. I said, how many of you know God wants to bless our life? Let me just tell you, the ultimate blessing that restored us to him was Jesus. And then Jesus prayed that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. What do you think it's like? A lot of us, we pray super hard about, we're going to get to heaven. We're going to get to heaven. You are absolutely right. It is going to be better than anything that you could imagine. But God wants you to walk in his favor and in his blessing this side of heaven. And you say, why is that so important? Well, the very first thing that I can think of is it provokes the world to jealousy. The world looks and says, what is it about you that's different than me, that you're happier, you have a higher level of peace, you seem to overcome the obstacles of life, you have lower anxiety, and you know what I'm saying? And God, if you look at his word, what he wants to do is he wants to bless our life. But equally is that we see a pattern in the Bible that God allows and he even leads us through through certain tests and through certain trials. Not all, he doesn't lead us and allow, you know, I'm not talking about sickness and disease and all of that stuff, but I'm talking about he leads and even allows certain tests that prove our ability to handle more of his best for our life. He, he, he leads that. You say, well, God, I want great. I want to experience your favor over my life. Or maybe, God, a promotion in my life. Or, God, I want to increase in my life. Or, God, I want greater, maybe, authority in my life. Or greater responsibility in my life. Realize the reason that he allows us to go through tests and trials and even leads us in them is because he wants to make sure that we can handle it and that we don't implode or it's to our detriment. All of us have been around people that it's like, oh my gosh, you have been promoted beyond your capacity to handle that. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's just like, okay. And so what happens is, is there's, there's a, a disconnect there. And a foundation scripture that we've been reading every week is in Proverbs 17.3. We've done a lot of scriptures, but this one just really hits it home. But it says, Fire, Proverbs 17, 3, fire tests the purity of, of silver and gold. Now, we're going to continue reading, but I want us to think about this. Why does fire test the purity of silver and gold? When they dig it out of the ground, what they do before it's ever of any value to make anything out of it. Someone told me that it takes a ton of gold or where they can find some gold in rock and everything, a ton, to get one ounce of silver. And that's a good one. But you, you, where they have to break it down and then heat it up and then melt it. And what it does 
is it tests the purity in that when it tests the purity, all of the impurities due to the heat of the fire cause the impurities to float to the top. And either the goldsmith or the silversmith come along and they call it scum. They skim off the top of it. And when they skim off the top, now the gold or silver is more pure. And to get it more pure, what they do is they heat it up hotter and hotter and hotter. And each time the stuff, more stuff floats to the top to the point where you can get to 24 karat gold or the most pure gold. But look at what it says. It says fire tests the purity of silver and gold. Now look at this, but the Lord tests the heart. The purpose of, of pure, of testing um, silver and gold is to make something that is more valuable. That is a much higher value. God said, realize that I'm going to test your heart so that your life has the capacity to handle more of what I've got for your life. I mean, God even did it with Jesus. We can see it in Mark chapter 4. Before he ever stepped into ministry, the Bible says the Holy Spirit descended on him. God spoke over him, said, this is my beloved son. The Bible says everybody heard it. And in the next breath, the Bible says the Holy Spirit led him in the wilderness through a series of tests and trials in his life. And then his ministry started. The Apostle Paul, even said he talked about his own experience and he said you know he said God counted me in first Timothy chapter 1 he said before I ever stepped into the ministry he said God counted me faithful putting me in the ministry he went through he went through 12 years if you study the history of that and what we see is he didn't just do it in the new testament but it is a pattern of his character and his nature in our life you can see it with abraham you can see it with sarah you can see it with jacob you can see it with joseph you can see it with ruth you can see it with esther you can see it with moses you can see it with joshua you can see it with caleb you can see it with David. It doesn't matter who you look at. It's God says, I'm going to bless your life, but I want to make sure it doesn't kill you. I want to make sure that it doesn't mess you up. How many of you know what I'm saying? Have you ever been around somebody and they're just like, I really, 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 really want to get married. I'm ready right now. How many of you know, how many of you are there? And you look and say, you're not really, 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 really ready. You can just tell. It's like, you got to grow first. You got to grow and be able to handle it. How many of you married people agree with me on that? It's just, and, so it's, and so what it is, and we looked in, in James 1, is he said that he wants us to begin to view every test and every trial that we go through differently and as an opportunity to grow. Where when I go through something, I'm going to be, okay, this isn't just a bummer. This isn't just something I don't like, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to grow. And the way that I'm going to grow is in this test or in this trial is I'm That's one, two. There we go. Am I okay? I don't like handheld mics. You know why? Because I use my arms too much. Can you try me with this one? Okay. We're going handheld. 
Um, in James, where am I at? In, in James 1, God wants us to see it differently. He wants us to begin to look at trials and tests differently. The reason is, is God wants to bless us. And the pattern we see in the Bible is before promotion, God will test our character because he loves us. Just like our kids, he wants to make sure that as he blesses us, then it doesn't harm us and it's not to our detriment. You know, I was raised in a family that that my dad was in, he was into hunting. It was Southern California. And you say, well, how does that work? Well, he was not from Southern California, but he was, my dad was into firearms. And in our house, the way that it worked is he was always, um, he went together with like four of his buddies and bought 150 acres in the backside of San Diego so that he wanted to turn it into a campground. And we would go camping there a couple times a month and we would go there. But what the first thing that we got is we got a BB gun and we got the BB gun and we would get 5,000 BBs per weekend. How many of you know that is like shooting? But what he did is you went through kind of a little hunter safety course thing with him and he wanted to make sure that you could handle a BB gun and then if you handled a BB gun for a couple of years right, then you got a 22. It, but it all started, he wanted to make sure that we could handle it. You think about it, even at our workplace, promotion is usually based on how we're handling what we currently have, our attitude, our performance, and our current responsibilities. Everything that we buy today has gone through a series of tests to make sure that it will do what you bought it to do. And they want to make sure that it won't hurt you, it won't damage you. God is the same way. And so we've identified nine tests that God will allow and lead us through. We covered the first one a couple weeks ago. If you were not here online as well, you can listen to it online. But in the first one was the test of small things. And today what, I'm, what we're going to talk about is what I'm going to call the motivation test. Everybody say the motivation test. The motivation test. This test comes on a person who's doing the right thing. They're doing the right thing to prove why they're doing what they're doing. I'm doing the right thing. That's great. But God wants to prove that you're doing the right thing for the right reason. That it's not just, you, you know, am I doing the right thing for the right reason in my life? See, when our motives are right in an area, the longer we go, the better it gets. But when our motives are wrong in an area, the longer we go, the worse it gets in our life. And so what happens is it gets worse until we're willing to make heart adjustments. The motivation test is a heart test or an inside test. And because God knows this, what he will do is he will purify our motives or our why, and he'll, he'll let us get put in environments that do just that. They purify our motives. Why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, my motives are my why. If you study the life of Jesus, you see that there were times in his life that were just, if you look at them, incredible miracles would happen. An incredible miracle would happen. And then he would say something to the crowd like, don't tell anybody. 
How many of you know it's like, how many of you know if Jesus came to your house and did an incredible miracle and then looked at you and said, don't tell anybody? How many of you know, is that hard or what? And, and in, in one particular time in Mark 5, Jesus interrupts a funeral, raises a girl from the dead, and then I want to pick up what he said to, the, to her parents in verse 43, Mark 4, 5, 43, Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened, and then he told them to give her something to eat. I mean, think about this. The girl has died. They're having a funeral procession. If they see her walking around, they know something's different. How many of you know what I'm saying? And it's like, what happened? What? Nothing. What are you talking about? I, I was at the procession. And Jesus said, don't tell anybody about it. The reason he did miracles was because he loved God and he loved people, not for recognition. He didn't do things for recognition. The motive of his heart was not to be recognized by people. The motive of his heart was he loved God and he loved people and he kept his heart right. Where And if you study his life, naturally speaking, he could have, he could have been way more popular than he was way earlier, but he recognized what God was doing in his life. And, and what I love, if you study his life, Jesus had three years, uh, I mean, a public ministry on the earth. The first year was the year of obscurity. The second year was the year of popularity. And the third year was the year of adversity. This happened in his year of obscurity, where people really didn't know much about him and they didn't know. But what I love about him is the motive of his heart is I love God and I love people. That's it. That's it. I, I love God and I love people. Naturally speaking, he could have been popular way earlier. I want to give you a few scriptures in Psalms 26, verse 1 and 2. It says, declare me innocent, O Lord, for I have acted with integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Now look at this. Test my motives and my heart. Proverbs. Proverbs 16, 2. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. Proverbs 20, 27. The Lord's light penetrates the human spirit, exposing every hidden motive. Jeremiah 17, 10 says, But I, the Lord, search all the hearts and examine secret motives. You know, God told the prophet Samuel, he said, you know, mankind looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart and he looks at the motives. And uh, let me just be super clear. There's nothing wrong with getting motivated or being motivated by someone else or other people in your life. There's nothing wrong or maybe other things in your life. But ultimately, 
permanent and enduring motivation must come from a healthy heart and healthy inside beliefs and security. Because if it doesn't, I will get derailed. It's a heart issue. It's not enough to start right with a to start right and have a right motive when I start. We've got to protect and maintain our motives. We can start with the right heart, but things are going to happen in our life. And what the enemy is going to want to do is plant garbage in our heart and mess up our motives where we lose our innocence. We lose our sensitivity because of the things that we've been through. And then we pick up baggage in our heart. That's why it says in Proverbs 4.23, above all that you do, he said, guard your heart because the inside is the most important in our life. And you know, when you talk about heart, and I realize that when I stand up here and I say this, when you talk about a heart, is Jesus talked about two primary ways that we can tell what's in our heart. There's two primary ways that we can look and say, oh, I can see the content in my heart or what's going on in my heart. And the first one is by our words or what we say. The nature of our words reveal the content of our heart. You know, Jesus in, in Matthew 12, 34, is talking to a bunch of religious people of his day, and he says this to them. You could readily see that he didn't, they were, if you study earlier, you find out he called them play actors. In other words, they were acting one way and living another way. But he said this, you brood of snakes, how could you men, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. He said, what's in my heart, the King James says, out of the abundance of my heart. See, our words reveal what is in us. Sometimes you hear people talking and saying, oh, I desire this, or I desire that, or oh, I'm ready for a relationship. But as they talk, you can tell there's hurt, there's resentment, there's maybe anger on the inside. And, and so what they're doing is they're saying, you, you can tell they want something, but out of the abundance of their heart, it reveals really what's going on on the inside of their life. And so they're maybe in distrust and they're not healed yet, but they're saying, and God's like, I want to get down to that thing right there. I want to get down and I want to bring healing. See, seeing the content of our hearts reveals what's motivating us and it takes courage to not only acknowledge it, but to chart a course to health and healing, to stop and to say, okay, I, I realize and I need to grow here. And so first we can tell what's in our heart by the nature of our words and what we say or what's in me in abundance is what comes out of my mouth. If you ever want to know what's in, in someone's heart in abundance, just listen to what they say. Just listen to what they talk about. You can readily tell. And the second way we can see our heart is in our treasure or how we spend our money. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. We can say it like this. My money and what's in my heart are connected. They're just connected. Jesus said it. You can readily see. And I'm just going to, let me th just throw this out here. I've never bought any skydiving equipment. Never. I've, I've never bought any ice fishing equipment. Never. You know, I've, 
if you, if you stop and you think, you know, I've never bought horseback equipment for riding horses. You say, why? Because it's not in my heart. It's not something in my heart. But then if you were to look at me and you were to say, okay, I've spent, if you look, you could readily see. I my money, spend money on God, spend money on my wife, spend money on my family. You know, and then if you go, I like hunting, spend money on hunting. I like gardening, spend money on gardening. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's, you know, you, you stop and you think is, I like to golf, spend money on golf. How many of you are with me on that? Spend money. Because that's what's in my heart. You could tell what's in my heart by what I spend my money on. You could readily see. And that's not a, you know, you might be here and you're like, oh my gosh, you don't like horses. I didn't say I didn't like horses. I just said, I'm not going to spend a bunch of money because that's not where my heart is. How many of you are with me on that? And, and so you just stop. And what we've got to realize is when it comes to how we spend our money, the most powerful motivation, it comes from within. Simply look at where our treasure is going, and most likely, that's where our heart is also. That's where our heart is. Realize this, our motives will be tested on a regular basis because, because God wants to promote us in every area of our life. You say, God, I want to be promoted here. God says, okay, how are your motives right there? I'm going to allow. Realize that there are going to be times in our life that God will strip away every natural and every carnal motivation to do something that he's called us to do to test our why we do it. Why do I do that? If it's only for natural, if it's only for carnal, God will stop and he will strip it away and then he will say, why do you do what you do? Why do you do that? Lord, I do it because it's the right thing to do over my life. Lord, I do it because you are the Lord of my life. Lord, I will do the right thing even when I don't feel like it because I trust you. God says, ah, right motive. That's the right heart. That's, that's the right motive. You know, you, you think about it, and I'm just going to motive is the compelling force or reason behind a person's actions. It's the compelling force. It's the reason behind my actions. I mean, let me just give you an example. Why do I go to church? Why do I go to church? I mean, I could come up with a bunch of good lists. Build relationships with people that have similar values. That's a good one, is it not? Okay, so look, these are not gotcha questions. How, how many of you know what I'm saying? Build a relationship makes me feel better. Are y'all with me? Jack, you can just give me a nod. You, you know, Jack, I will even let you go, amen. Just practice, say amen. There you go. <laughs> How about this? I mean, here's another motivation. Serve God and his people simultaneously. I'm gonna serve God, I'm gonna serve people. Church gives me a place to do that. Oh, it's a place for my kids to learn about God. It's a, it's a place for them to learn about Jesus. Great, that is awesome. 
How about, oh, it's a place where I can learn and I can grow. Oh, it's, it's a place to go in times of crisis so I can get strength and encouragement and people to pray for me. Oh, it's a place to worship. It's a place to sing. And I love worshiping and I love singing. That's awesome. It's a place to develop maybe the gifts that God has placed within your heart. Maybe you're here. It's a place for a bigger purpose in your life. All of those are good reasons to be motivated. But there will be times that God will strip away those motivations in our life because he wants to know why do you go to church and you say well what do you mean by that maybe a good friend of yours moves away and what God does is he's like are you committed to church for the right reason or are you only committed for an external reason maybe you sit, you stop and you say well I went to that church but I was misunderstood or they hurt me or I went through this particular thing and so you know I and so I trusted people and they they didn't treat me right God's like, was that your motive for going to church? Is that the only reason you went to church? Or maybe you're here and you say, well, I go to this church because of this program. Do you still go to the church if the church cancels that program where they stop and they say, you know, it's, it's, it's run its course. And so, you know, we're not going to do that. Or maybe a leader that you like or a preacher that you like. Or maybe you, you say, you know, I have a strong opinion and they don't agree with my opinion. And so I'm not going to go. Okay, wrong motivation. Are you with me? Are you with me? Maybe you're here and worship takes a different style. Oh, I don't like that style. I like country western. How many of you know what I'm saying? Oh, I don't like that style. I want this style. God's like, you know what I'm doing is I'm purifying your motives. Why do you go to church? Why do you go to church? Do you go to church for external reasons or do you go to church because you love God and you want to do the right thing and you want to bring your kids up loving God and doing the right thing? See, in America today, when you talk about church, it's all about a bunch of superficial stuff. And I'm not saying that those things are, oh, that preacher, I've had people leave this church because I preached a sermon. And they, they told me, I stared at them the entire time I preached. Oh, they were convinced. They were absolutely convinced. And I remember looking at them and like, are you serious? And they're like, yes, you preached right at me. And it wasn't fair. I've had people come to church here and maybe that one of their spouses were coming to church and they finally agreed to come to church and I preached a sermon and they swore that their spouse met with me and told me all about their life and I wrote a sermon to preach it to them. <laughs> How many of you know God is funny? <laughs> See, God is hoping that our motivation is more than outside preferences than outside comforts, than outside things, that what I do is because it is a core belief in my heart. Let me just throw this out. If your motivation to get married is because, you know, you like your husband or your wife, how they look right now, get ready. Things change. Are you with me? They... And it's like, people are like, we've got all these, you know, you, you stop. And what God is wanting is he's wanting our motivation to be him and his word. And when our motivation is him and his word, he can dump out on our life and it doesn't screw us up. He can be like Jesus. 
do a miracle, raise somebody from the dead. And we're not making posters and putting them on telephone poles and calling ourselves an apostle of healing. How many of you know what I'm saying? We just step and it's this, oh, oh no, Lord, this is about you. See, the right motivation is love for God and personal growth. And when we go through things in our life and he allows us to go through a test, what he's, what he's doing is he's like, okay, you don't, you don't like that. That's a test. Okay, you're going through... What's floating up right now in your heart right now? How about if we get to that and kind of skim it off and then a vessel will come forth that is more pure, that can handle more. Look at what it says in Hebrews 10, 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Wow, so my motivation for coming to church is God said, don't neglect it. Don't let it slip. Don't let it drop. You say, well, I don't like, God right now is purifying your motives. Psalms 92, verse 12 and 15. The righteous will flourish like the date palm. You know, a date palm, they say, lives 100 years. How many of you like a 100-year life? 100 years, that's pretty good. Pretty good number. I want to, but, but then look at what it says. And then it says, and remember, a date palm produces fruit. Long-lived, upright, and useful for a hundred years. They will grow like the cedar in Lebanon, majestic and stable. Now look at what it says about them. They're planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. And this is what it causes them to do. Growing in grace, they will still thrive and bear fruit and prosper in old age. They will flourish and be vital and fresh, rich in trust and love and contentment. Verse 15, they are living memorials to declare that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. He is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in him. See, God is into refining our motives because he knows the reason I do what I do will ultimately determine what I do. The reason I do what I do will ultimately determine what I'm doing in my life. And so he comes back and we look at what we do and God looks at why we're doing it. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? You know, you. I love a good restaurant. How many of you love a good restaurant? You know what the over-the-top icing on the cake is a good restaurant? It's when you get to leave with a doggy bag. How many of you know what I'm saying? How many of you have been to a restaurant and been like, oh, that was really good. I just wish it was twice as much. I want to just give you five thoughts, five reflection questions for your doggy bag this week. They're going to put them up on the screen. Number one is this. Go ahead and throw it up. If things don't go the way you've planned, do you often run away? When they, <laughs> come on, did he say no? Get that kid up here. Come on. <laughs> I like that. Didn't go, I'm running away. This week, 
write out why you do what you do. What's the reason behind your job, your relationships, your aspirations, maybe your ministry? What is the reason? Why do I do this? Write it out. Maybe you've never even thought of this before. God's recentering you. The third thing is this, is this week, be intentional about what motivates you. Assess if you're healthy or unhealthy in that area and make the necessary changes to your perspective. Look, I'm motivated. Oh, it's, maybe that's not a healthy, mo that's not a, are you with me on that? Number four is this, is take time to do a heart check and ask yourself, does my heart align with the scripture? Does it align with the scripture in my life? Am I, y'all okay, y'all tracking with me? And the last one, number five is this, is memorize and meditate on Colossians 3.23 and think about it and how it applies to you. And I'm gonna read it. I think I gave it to them. Work willingly. That's an attitude. Willingly is an attitude. At whatever you do, as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Just stop and say, okay, God, I realize. And maybe I believe right now, I don't think we ever outgrow this. We go along and we go through some things and we pick up some things and God's like, yo, look at the motivation here. Look at the motivation here. And then we bring it to him and he skims the stuff off and he blesses us and he promotes us and he increases us. And maybe right now in your heart and in your life, God is just saying to you, you know what? Nothing's holding you back right now. Nothing is stopping you. There's no, it's nobody's fault where I'm at. It's me stopping and saying, okay, God, I realize that you're gonna allow me to go through nine different types of tests and types of trials because you're wanting to answer my prayers, but you want to make sure I have the capacity and I don't implode as I step into that. Are you with me today? God's a great parent. He is just a great parent. How many of you, when you were younger, you prayed for something and you realize now that you're a few years past it that you're like, oh, it was the good goodness of God that I didn't get that then. Because I would have been like, you know what I'm saying? I would, oh, God's like, I got you. How about if we just stop and say, okay, Lord, yes, stand to your feet if you would. God, today, we need you. We need you in our life. We need you in our heart. And Lord, every one of us is a construction project. And Lord, today we invite your Holy Spirit to do a work in us. Lord, as we've talked today about the motivation test, why do I do what I do? Lord, we realize, I think all of us that are self-aware can maybe look at an area in our life and say, I need to make an adjustment here, make an adjustment there. Lord, today, what our heart cry is we want to know you deeper. We want to sense your life. We want to walk in your peace. We want to walk out your love. And Lord, we're saying yes to you today. 
just with every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here today and you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You've never made Jesus. Right now, he's using me to reach out to you because he loves you. But he wants you to respond to him and just simply say, Lord, that's me. That's me. I need you. I give you my heart and I give you my life. I want to pray with you right where you're at. We're all going to pray together, but you say, that's me. On the count of three, I want you to just lift a hand to heaven. One, two, three. Lift your hand. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to lead us in this prayer. Say this with me. Jesus, I believe that you're God's son and that you came to pay for my sins. I'm asking you, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I invite you to affect every area. I give you my past. I invite you into my present. And Lord, I'm asking you, show me what it looks like to walk with you in the future. In Jesus' name, amen.